And I can imagine David, you know, he's sitting in the cave and all the people that are coming in are dysfunctional. And, and God did something with that. How many know that he can take dysfunction and make it functional? How many know he can take broken, ugly things and make them beautiful? He gives us beauty for ashes. He turns our, our, our mourning into joy. Amen? And I know that's very cliche Christian preaching, but I just believe we need to get a hold of this as, as far as this message is concerned, that there were some that were dis, in distress, some in debt, and some discontented and bitter. And I believe that the Lord can make bitter water sweet. And that's what I want to preach to you today, that I don't care what you're going through. Maybe you came in here, and, and many times, you know, early service is mainly believers, and they're people that come to church more often. And second service is more like uh, people, oh, let me invite you to this church. You know, God really touched my heart. And so it's more, you feel more of a pull um, on the people that really are in need of a touch from God. But it never gets tiring to me to pray burdens off of people because that's what God loves to do. Jesus came to set the captive free. So the first thing that he comes to restore when we're in this place of refuge is distress. Say distress. It means a restless heart. It means to be oppressed. Jesus came to set the oppressed free. If you're oppressed, if you have stress, anxiety, fear, any of those things, you are in the right place. And I don't mean church. I mean in the right place in your life because the Lord wants to come and lift that stuff off of you. You know, the people that came to this cave left completely different. When they, when they began to uh, pursue the, the new kingdom that God was ushering in, they left different. How many know that God took some of these people? There was actually three mighty men that came out of this group. It started with 400, then it increased to 600. But David was raising up an army in this new kingdom. And it didn't matter if they were distressed, if they were oppressed. It didn't matter what they were going through. That, that God gave them a refuge to their distress. I love the scripture in Isaiah ten twenty seven. It says, it will come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder and his yoke from your neck. The yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. See, the anointing, it, it's known also as lifting the burden and destroying the yoke. The, the anointing of God, and the anointing is not a substance, a thing, or it's not just oil in a bottle. The anointing is him. He was the anointed one. And he loves to lift burdens. I'm going to tell you right now, distress was my week. I had a very, it was, it was just a stressful, uh, crazy week for me. And, and my wife and I, and I, I have to set time aside to really give myself to prayer and the word. And, and, you know, it was hard this week because we had, and I always make time. Thank God he gives me that time. But, you know, we, our car broke down on, I think it was Tuesday, and uh, we were stranded somewhere, and we didn't have a vehicle, and then it, it took like a whole other day to fix it. During that time, my son um, had to go to the doctor for something, and we got a, a kind of a bad doctor's report, and they wanted to schedule a minor surgery th this week, and I'm like, Lord Jesus, I'm distressed. And so there's something, and many of you maybe think, well, Zach, you don't have a distressing life. You don't, listen, I know what it feels like to want to quit, to want to give up, to want to throw in the towel. I've been there, and I've done that. I've, I've, listen, I didn't get saved till I was 17. I've been in depression wanting to kill him. I've been all through all of that, and I know that there's a God who loves answering the prayers of the cry of the heart that says, I don't have anywhere else to turn. 
And I want to encourage you this morning, if you're distressed, I had a very distressing week, but God came and He lifted my burden. And there's something about the house of the Lord, we, we should never get tired of preaching that and praying that. Sometimes you hear me do it every service or whoever's doing transition. Lord, if, you know, if there's anyone here that's burdened, lift your hand. Well, we always pray that because God loves to lift the burden off of the heavy. The Bible says that he, he lifts the burden and destroys the yoke. Listen, I want to just encourage us. Every service, we should anticipate more and more and more of that weighty glory of God, the presence of God that comes to lift the burden and destroy the yoke because there's hurting people looking for a refuge. So we need to be a house of God, a church, an assembly of believers that are a refuge and his presence is here. And it's a refuge so people can come and they can run in the arms of, a mas- of the master. Amen? They can come and run in the arms of the Savior that will set them free. Jesus said, come to me if you're weary and heavy laden. And what did he say? I'll give you rest for your souls. A lot of people sleep a lot, but they still don't have rest. Testimony after testimony, people, nightmares, depression, can't sleep. Over the years of being a believer, God frees them. God gives them rest. Thank God for rest. And there's something about this thing. There's these people that come to David. One of the groups he named, they were distressed. And God wants to bring freedom to those that are oppressed and distressed. Amen. We can't feel like we're repeating ourselves. It's who God is. It, listen, this is the heart of God. He he does not want us to carry burdens, ever. He doesn't want us to carry burdens. In Luke 4.18, we see the picture. This is the first message, one of my favorite scriptures. I have so many favorite scriptures. You probably hear me say that a lot. But um, In Luke 4.18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free all those that are oppressed. Say amen. amen. See, that's who, that's who he is. He was the anointed one. He said the spirit. And then he told them, this scripture is fulfilled today. You know, we see in Acts 10.38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. He went and he did good and he brought freedom to all. He healed all that were oppressed for God was with him. Because where the presence of the Lord is, there's a refuge to those that are burdened. And we have to capture the heart of God in this. Listen to Isaiah 25, verse 4. For you've been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. All the Las Vegas people, we say amen on that one. A shade from the heat. Thank God for air conditioning. Hallelujah. We didn't have air conditioning in our car for the last part of the summer, and we have it back. God restored what the devil stole. Hallelujah. Just want to stop right there and bless him. Ha! A shade from the heat. For the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Listen, it says that God is a strength to the poor. He's a strength to the poor. He's a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm and a shade from the heat. We have to get, this is the heart of God, that he wants to set the captive free, but he wants to lift our burdens. 
So we, we need to stop carrying them, and we need to pray. This is my, this is my admonition church. I was, we were pouring into some of the core staff, and, and I was saying, listen, we need to just, the, the atmosphere of, of, of dwelling uh, the, or the presence of the Lord, when we gather, it has to be so heavy with the presence of God that we are literally just praying oppression off of people, and it, it has to be a refuge. This is the house of the Lord. This is a house of prayer, but it's also a house of refuge. Amen? And God is our refuge, and he brings freedom to those that are in distress. Number two, those that are in debt. Do you know that debt is one of the biggest reasons that you don't feel like you have refuge? Think about it. Now, now not just in, in paying our bills and all that stuff, because how many know that that's definitely stressful? Amen? I remember when uh, my wife and I, were, uh, we had our own business, and we were doing well, and God was really blessing us. And uh, I remember seeing the amount that my wife told me we needed to, to pay all the overhead for the month. And I'm like, Lord, have mercy on my soul. There was a couple times I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, that, talk about not having a refuge. I remember waking up in the middle of the night, how are we going to pay that bill? How are we going to pay that bill? Have you ever done that? Has anyone ever been there? You can't sleep. Because you're in debt, because you owe the bank some money or you owe somebody money. But the first thing I want to speak to you on today about debt is that God brings, he takes our spiritual debt and he completely remisses it. Are you thankful for that? Listen, you have spiritual debt. It's called sin, guilt, shame. It's all the stuff that Jesus came to set us free from. And I want to encourage you this morning, if you have received him, in Hebrews 9.12, it says he bypassed the sacrifices of consisting of the, the, the goat and the calf blood. In other words, it's no longer the way it was in the Old Covenant. Many of you know this, but in the Old Covenant, it was a temporary fix. But he, it says here that he came using his own blood, because he was the supreme lamb of God, to set us free, to pay a price, to set us free once and for all. Say once and for all. See, he came to set, he, he came to bring our spiritual debt and completely remove it. He, it's paid in full. Say paid in full. See, a lot of us think that our forgiveness is on layaway because we have an Old Testament mindset. See, we, we'll, we'll get saved and, and then we think that, well, part of it's purchased, but in order for me to get the whole thing, I've got to keep paying this thing and and it's like i'm going to church and i'm reading my bible and i'm praying oh and i went to the altar today and i worship god so that gave me a little bit more and I, I you know my wife was so happy when she heard that walmart does layaway now Ooh, glory because she's all about blessing her children for christmas and she gives them three gifts um one that's going to be in gold wrapping paper one in green and one in red and it represents the gold the frankincense and the myrrh and, and so just like Jesus got three gifts, she tells the, the kids, I'm giving you three gifts. And then she's explaining to me the other day how she's getting this thing for Josiah. And it's like, it's a Batman cape, a Batman, and I'm like, that's five gifts. She's like, no, that's just his one big one. I'm like, you totally broke your own rule. That makes no sense at all. <laughs> but she was so happy when Walmart started doing layaway. Now, how many know how layaway, everyone knows how it works, right? You go and you're like, I want this item, and so I'm going to give you some money, and it's, it's mine, but I, I, don't get the, I don't get to receive the whole thing until I finish paying the amount that it's, it's listed for. Well, see, in the spirit, sometimes we think our forgiveness is, well, it's mine, but, you know, I'm still kind of working my way to receive the whole thing. That's not the way it works in the kingdom of God. 
The blood of Jesus does not remember your sin. It remisses your sin. The blood of the new covenant completely wipes it away. And we've got to get rid of that layaway mentality. Because listen, here's the way it is for me. We go to Walmart and think of an, a, an amazing item at Walmart. They got a lot of stuff, right? Just go walk in, in your mind, and pick it out. In the spirit... God purchased the whole store. He owns all the Walmarts. He owns a cattle on a thousand hill, and you're his son, so just go and take what you want. You're forgiven, and your spiritual debt has been dealt with by the blood of Jesus. Amen. So no more layaway mentality. Listen, don't belittle the blood of Jesus by thinking and being so prideful that you've got to earn your forgiveness. He doesn't want your works. Your works suck. They're no good to him. Our righteousness is as filthy rags. Now, the deeds that we do after the cross, after redemption, we are made for his good works. But the stuff that we try to bring to him, and I just, I just got to receive forgiveness, that's just religion. Religion is man's way to try to reach God. We have been uh, forgiven completely. Our spiritual debt has been wiped away. Amen. The blood of the lamb has completely remissed our sin. See, even the word forgiveness, even in our vocabulary, we understand what to be completely forgotten means. But when we say forgive, the way that we live, many times, like let's say that I I get into a quarrel with someone, and then I say, I forgive you, or they say, I forgive you, Zach, and I say, thank you. And then then we get into it, and something happens, um, and then all of a sudden... uh, it, we, we didn't really forgive each other. Do you remember that time that you... And we bring it up, but that's not forgiveness. But see, our vocabulary and our mindset, it's forgiveness from a natural perspective, from a human perspective. But when God came to get rid of our sin, He meant it. When He said, I forgave you, He really meant it. He's not like us. And, and we say, oh, I forgive you, but then we get in that fight and it's like, oh, remember what you did last week and you told me blah, 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 blah. We didn't really forgive. But God really does forgive. Are you thankful for that? How many know what the year of Jubilee is? The year of Jubilee, I'm going to just read you something here. It is the Christian tradition and the the Hebrew tradition, but in the Old Testament, it was a year of remission and universal pardon. Say hallelujah. That was kind of weak, dude. I'm just kidding. In, in the season, here's what would happen. Every 50 years, God would say, I'm going to bring universal pardon to you. And here's one of the things, here's some of the things that would happen. It, every person would receive forgiveness of their debt. Their debt would be remitted. It says that every household would recover its absent members. Just stop and think about that one right there, moms and your prodigal sons and daughters. It's the year of Jubilee. And it's not every 50 years. Listen, hear this. It says that one of the other things that would happen, land would return to its former owners. Amen. And slaves would be set free. No more burdens. No more, no more shackles that God would come. And hear this. I love this quote. I heard this this week. Bill Johnson said, For the believer, every year, every year is jubilee. Every day is a day of rest. And every hour is happy hour. Isn't that good? Oh, come on, man. I'm going to read it again. For the believer, every year is jubilee. Every day is a day of rest. And every hour is happy hour. God has set us free. We're free. Are you free this morning? Thank God that he's just completely removed our debt. He's removed our spiritual debt. So we need to start living like it. 
We need to make sure that we're not walking in shame and condemnation. That's just pride. It really is. In, the, in its core, it's just pride. Like you, you're, you know, you, it, God has completely wiped it away, so let's live like it and live in that freedom. Another part of this that I want to talk about is that he, he includes financial debt in the year of Jubilee. How many know that God is concerned with our finances because it's attached to our heart? Anything that's attached to our heart in our life, he's concerned with. And, and one of the ways that, that we, we see in the scripture, um, and this is a, a big one here, that God doesn't want us to be in debt. He wants us to be debt-free. How many believe that? And, and the scripture that I want to read to you is out of Deuteronomy twenty-eight twelve. He wants us to be the lender, not the borrower. The Lord will send rain at the proper time. Say proper time. I want to teach you something about that in a moment. From his rich treasury in the heavens. Oh, I love that. He wants to send from his rich treasury in the heavens at the proper time to bless all the work you do. You will, lead, you will lend to many nations. Wow, that's a good word. Lend to many nations? It says, but you will never need to borrow from them. Now, I just feel like, you know, we need to understand this verse that God wants to take the richness of his grace and pour it out on us. He wants to bless us financially, but it says proper time. How many know that a farmer is not going to cultivate ground, sow seed, and wait for the rain if he knows the harvest will be wasted? And God will not send this blessing if we're going to waste his harvest. So the proper time is the time when our hearts are ready to contain the blessing. It's called stewardship. Stewardship is the container of that blessing that God wants to pour out on your life financially. Now, there's three ways that we receive financial blessing. Let me teach you for just a moment. Number one is the Adamic. The Adamic is that the way that he put in the, in the very beginning, he put Adam in a garden and he said, cultivate the garden. It's, it's how we go to work and, and we go to work and we get an hourly wage. And let's say that we make $10 an hour and we work four hours. How much is that? Wow, you guys are so shabby. $10 an hour. Right? So, or let's just say, let's put it this way. Here's how I want to I break it down to you. So there's the Adamic way, and it's, it's, we work, and we do, you know, we're in the garden, and we work, and we get, we get a harvest. 10 plus 4 is what? 14. That's addition. The Adamic is the addition. I work so many hours, and they're all added together, and then I, that's one way, and they all work together, but that's one way God blesses us financially. The second way is the Abrahamic way, which is that the tithe and the offering, and we, we, you know, present our offering to the Lord. And how many know the Lord honors that and he blesses us? See, many times that, that's, it's limited because people think, well, that's how God will bless me is if I tithe. But that's just a starting point. But there is a multiplication that happens with the seed that we sow. And what happens when, when things are multiplied? What is 10 times 4? Now you're going to answer it. 40. So with the Adamic, there's an addition and it's 10 plus four, which is 14, in the, in the Abrahamic covenant, which is tithe and offering, it is a 10 times four, there's multiplication. And then there's a third way that God blesses you financially. It's called kingdom blessing. 
And that's when he takes the natural bounds of limitation and far supersedes them. That's when he takes and he gives you an idea like the sons of Issachar, the only one that could, that could put the thing together or the, re- the wisdom to get the revelation and bring into fruition of what God promised. Maybe it's an entrepreneurial spirit to start a business or an invention or a medical breakthrough. That's the kingdom blessing that God, he brings this grace. And here's what happens. There's an exponential increase... With kingdom blessing. What is exponential? 10 plus 4 is 14. That's Adamic. That's the working. Then you have the Abrahamic. 10 times 4 is 40. Well, here it is exponentially. Do you know what 10 to the power of 4 is? 10,000. What what blessing do you want? I want the kingdom blessing. I don't want the blessing that is in the limitations of my mind. And God wants to bless us financially. He wants to open the windows of heaven. He wants to restore everything that the enemy has stolen. Joel 2.25. Everything the enemy has stolen. Listen, it says he wants to restore the years. That means not only do you get back what the, the locusts have taken, your harvest, but he also restores the years of what you have lost, and that means the years of multiplication. Wow. My wife and I think about you know, how we didn't manage our harvest. Over the years, and I wasn't a pastor yet, and uh, I was saved, though. I was saved, though. I should have known better. And, man, you learn. You learn a lesson. You learn stewardship through, through rough times. But I think about what we've lost, and I think about what God is going to bless us with so that we can just support the work of the kingdom of God. And, listen, it's so simple. When God's doing something... You want to give to it because it's, about, it's furthering the kingdom and it's furthering the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is so easy to give to a ministry that God is moving in. Amen? And it's very simple. It takes money to do stuff. It takes money to, to pay people to devote their lives to raising up an army and equipping the saints for the work of the ministry. It's not complicated. But listen, God wants to get rid of our spiritual debt, and he wants to get rid of our financial debt, and he wants to bless us exponentially with kingdom blessings. I don't want just a paycheck to paycheck mentality where I'm punching in my time clock and, you know, 10 plus 4, that's 14. Oh, man, it's going to be really hard to pay the bills. Well, thank God for blessing in the Abrahamic covenant. I can tithe and I can give, and there's a blessing in that, and there's a multiplication in that, but the kingdom blessing is what I want. 10 to the power of 4 is 10,000. That's an exponential increase of blessing. Amen. Listen to what Bill Johnson says. I'm going to quote him again because this is so good. Many people think that, well, you know, I, I don't want to be blessed financially because, you know, something, I, I, I may, you know, spend it on something unwise or whatever. Listen to what he says. He says, I pay no attention to the warnings of possible excess from those who are satisfied with lack. Isn't that good? I'm not satisfied with lack because there's orphanages that we need to build. We need another church building. There's things that we got to do in the earth. Come on, when you were singing the song that Chris wrote, Hope to the Nations, I began to think of what God has done in the last 15 years that I've been a Christian. I remember when missions and the 1040 window, that was the deal. God opened the 1040 window. You know what's happening right now in the 1040 window? Thousands and thousands and thousands are being born again in a day. Muslims are having visions of this man in white with red on his head. I mean, the Muslims are coming by the droves into the kingdom of God because there's hope for the nations. And there's this movement of intercession and prayer and we put all the flags around the building and we're praying for the nations and people think, oh, that doesn't work. Listen, in the last 10 years, God, his gospel is just 
flooding the earth because it works, saints. And I'm not satisfied with lack. We want to be a church that goes from the inner city to the outer nations. I love the nations of the world. I'm telling you, I cannot wait to go on my next outer nation mission trip. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I cannot wait. I saw one of the child's prayers back there. It was Emily Cartwright. And the kids pray uh, in kids' church, and they write their prayers down. And hers was, Lord, I pray the Muslims would be saved. Oh, my spirit just began to stir on the inside of me. My God, we have to have a heart for the nations. So let's stop thinking in this little little Adamic and just Abrahamic covenant mindset with financial blessing. Let's start thinking kingdom and what God has done in the earth and what he's done in the last 10 years and what he's going to do in the next 10 years. I'm telling you, the Lord wants to just unload blessings on his children but he's looking for hearts to contain it. He's also looking for us to stop thinking from the old mindset. Let's start thinking kingdom. I, I love the outer nations missions. I cannot wait to go again. When I was in the Philippines, oh, the hunger they have for the word. And man, it was just, I, I just love those people. I can't wait to take my wife and my kids. I can't wait because God is moving in the nations. And he's moving in Henderson. And it's time that we step into it. And it starts with him setting us free from debt. Amen. Amen. The third thing that God brought restoration to in the cave was those that were discontented. Say discontented. In the Hebrew, it literally means bitter of soul. Man, there's something about this this bitterness that... uh, Have you ever been... Maybe you are in one fast or another, but you ever been in a place where you just knew you were bitter? You just knew that you were bitter and you were spiteful and you are mad and you had resentment. And, but there's a lot of reasons that we're, we're not bitter. And what it really is is we're not satisfied. And maybe because we're looking for the wrong thing. And, and you know, a lot of times it's, it's the reason is because we're looking for the wrong thing. Some of the reasons I was thinking about, you know, why, why are we bitter? Why were these people bitter? Well, one of the reasons, they were under the, the rule of Saul. And so they were bitter. They were probably bitter towards their leader. And, and last week we talked about that leadership. But I want to talk about how we can be bitter maybe because of our family. Maybe there's someone in our family that has hurt us. And, and we just, we hold on and we retain. And listen, God wants to remove that bitter water from the well of our heart. He wants to make it sweet. And God, I mean, think, I've seen so many people that were just bitter and spiteful, been transformed by the love of Jesus. And they're the sweetest, most kind people. When years ago they could have been, I mean, they'd be the first one to curse you out if you just accidentally stepped on their toe. Amen? Is it, am I talking to anyone in this room? Michelle did it to me last week, so no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but there's something about this bitter well that God wants to make sweet. What Maybe we're bitter because... Because we're not married. You know, single people, they, they go through this. Like, God, why won't you send my, you know, and, and we get bitter instead of just, just resting in him. And maybe he wants to give you more time to be intimate with him because he's jealous for you. So don't be bitter. Just know that it's God's heart longing for you because he's jealous for you. But we get bitter for different reasons. Maybe because we have expectations on our spouse. And we're bitter about it. Why doesn't she do this? Or why doesn't he do this? And, and all that stuff needs to stop. We cannot, we, the only thing that will, that will satisfy us is by just running after him. Just running after the heart of God and everything else follows. Maybe we're bitter uh, about our job. Maybe we're bitter because of expectations about the church that we attend. 
Well, you know, I wish the church did this. And then soon we get bitter. They're not receiving me. They're not honoring me. And we could go on and on and on. Listen, if I lived that way, I'd be bitter every week by the way you look at me, the way you're doing it right now. I could be bitter right now, but I'm not going to do that because I'm not going to allow the poison of bitterness to defile my heart. Billy Joe Doherty, man, one of the most awesome apostles. Um, he was... Uh, the pastor of Victory Christian Center in Tulsa. What a mighty man of God. I mean, so much fruit all over the globe. Very word of faith stream, but what a mighty man of God. He recently graduated to Gloria. I think it's been a couple years now. But somebody in ministry came to him and said, man, you're an apostle, you're a father. I need a blessing. I need to hear from you. Tell me what the key to success in ministry is. And he's expecting this answer. Well, you have to you know, savor the love of Jesus. And he's expecting something so profound. And, and he says something totally different than what the guy expected. He says, never get bitter. That's the key. That's the key to a healthy relationship. That's the key to a healthy church. That's the key to the health of our own hearts is never get bitter. So why are we bitter? We have to stop and we need to, listen, I want to... I wrote something down here. I want to share it with you. We need to stop running after our destiny for our own desire's sake and start pursuing God, and then destiny will come. Sometimes we're like, Let's run. this is my destiny. This is my call. And let's just run after God. You're going to end up disappointed. I'm telling trust me, you will. Just run after him. You won't be disappointed if you run to the well to meet Jesus. We can't die bitter. Job 21, verses 23 through 25, there's a scripture and it says that one dies in his full strength, being wholly at ease and secure. His pails are full of milk and the marrow of his bones is moist. Another man dies in the bitterness of his soul, never having eaten with pleasure. Wow, even enjoying a meal. Some people can't even enjoy a meal because they're bitter. It's gross. I mean, I think about that. It's like, God, just, I mean, he satisfies with your mouth with good things. That's, that's the Lord's table. When you, next time you have a meal with your family, enjoy every bite and thank God for what he gives us, his daily bread. It's part of the Lord's prayer. It says this guy died bitter. He died bitter. How many know of anyone that have just died bitter? It's not pleasant. It's very sad. And I don't want to die bitter. And I will protect my heart from the bitterness and the root of bitterness that can spring up. Hebrews 12.15, I have one more verse and we're going to close. Hebrews 12.15 says this, look after each other so that none of you will miss out on the special favor of God. Isn't that good? It says look after each other so you don't miss out on, on his grace in your life. And here's what he says. Probably Paul was the author of this, we're not sure. But the author was writing and he said, watch out that no bitter root of unbelief rises up among you, for when it springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. I love the story in the Old Testament in Exodus 15 where the children of Israel are set free and they're delivered and they're wandering and they have no water for three days and they start getting mad and they start complaining and they find a place where there's water, but the water's bitter and they're like, great, God drove us out here again to die. And they're complaining, and, and Moses is like, God, what do we do? And Moses, it says, God showed Moses a tree. It's so strange. It's a strange verse. But there's no doubt in my mind it's a picture of the cross. 
What happens is he saw the tree, and it says he put some of the tree or the wood in the water, and it instantly became sweet. I'm telling you, we need to look to the tree, Jesus, the tree of Calvary, and know that that's what turns the bitter waters of our hearts sweet. God makes our bitter water sweet. And he'll take our discontentedness and, and that bitterness of soul, not satisfied, right? And just point, it, point us in the right direction. And so that our hearts are going after him. And he, he really does remove our bitterness. I used to be very bitter and spiteful, you know? I, I mean, my wife was bitter and spiteful. We were bitter at each other. And how many know the Lord just, I mean, my wife is a different person. And I'm a different person because God has taken the bitter waters of my heart and made it sweet. Are you ready for God to restore these things in your life? Can we pray together? Can we just pray right now? Just close your eyes. I want to ask you to pray in the Holy Spirit right now. Come on. Thank you for your mighty presence, God. We love you. Oh, we love you. We love you, God. Minister to the hearts right now. I speak refuge to the hearts right now, God. I speak refuge to those that are distressed. I speak refuge to those that are in debt, God. Those that still have their forgiveness on layaway. He owns it all. Just receive it. He's forgotten your sin. Don't hold on to the guilt. Don't hold on. I'm talking to some people. Don't hold on to the condemnation that the enemy and even religion and even some church has put on you. The burden's gone, so receive it now. You're forgiven. It's gone, it's remissed, and it's forgotten in Jesus' name. And Lord, I speak refuge to to the finances that have been robbed, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're going to bring kingdom blessings for the inner cities and for the outer nations in the work of the gospel. And it's exponential. It's beyond the bounds of our natural limitation. And Father, I pray right now and I speak refuge to those that are discontent and maybe bitter of soul. And I pray for the love of God and that and looking to the cross, looking to what you've done, Lord. Some Hebrew scholars say that, that it was like Moses saw his name on the cross, which is very interesting to me. The name of Yahweh on the cross, the name of God on the actual tree. The Lord showed Moses a tree. Listen, let God show you the cross right now. And remember that bitterness, being bitter at someone is like drinking poison and hope it affects them. It will only hurt you. It will only hurt you. So release it at the cross right now. And Lord, I pray for the, just the awesome love of the Father to pour in to every heart. Lord, your presence is here. And, and we love you, God. Would you just grab the hand of the person next to you right now? And just speak this to them. Say, I just, I release the love of God to you right now. Just pray over them. Just softly pray right now. Lord, we thank you. You're a refuge. You're a shelter. When we're in a storm, God, we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you seal it with praise right now? Amen. I want the ushers to come and be ready. We're going to worship the Lord in our giving right now. And I want you to just pray. And and some of you might have your offering ready right now. Let's just give. I want to pray over the offering. And I want to to just encourage you that, that the Lord has blessed us with this facility. But we are going to be, we're looking for another building. And and we're not sure yet where we're going to go. But um, I want you to pray with this church and really pray. We're actually praying about whether or not we're going to do a Saturday night service because second service is very full. And many times, um, you know, there's not uh, maybe one or two seats left. 
And so we want those people to maybe come Saturday night. And so, but as we give to the Lord this morning, let's give with a kingdom mindset. Amen? God bless every business in this place. God bless every person. And Lord, you're going you're gonna to do it because your kingdom is advancing. Your kingdom is ever advancing. There's an increase of your government, God. And so we thank you for every giver. And Lord, we just sow seed to the work of the ministry. In Jesus' name, give.